So I, I think we're getting a bit better at doing these podcasts. Do you think? You'd like to hope so, given that we're now on episode... 34, I think. 34 or 35. Okay. Getting there. Getting there. Should be, yeah. Yeah. So I know that a number of people listening are interested in maybe setting up our own podcasts. We get a few people asking us how we're doing it. And it's getting slicker and slicker. Okay, we're using the tech better. I think we're you know, using more of the functions on it rather than just pushing one button and letting it roll. And we've got a great team behind us as well that are helping to push process. We're starting to experiment a little bit more with the tech, aren't we? In fact, even as we speak, yeah, as we're we conducting a, another podcast experiment. Yeah, this is live editing. So we're relying less on post-processing, which takes a lot more time, but gives a different sort of output. This is live, like live TV. So off camera, we've got Hannah diligently pushing a button yeah. to edit this She's live. A producer. Producer. Yeah. We'll have an editor next telling us what we can't say and have earpieces and everything. Well, and I'm sure many of our listeners will have been keeping abreast of recent uh, Heat magazine news. Um, my favourite, I've got a subscription. <laughs> and they that may, and Private Eye turns up every week. They may well have seen that, um, it was probably a shock to a lot of us that the Meghan Markle Archetypes podcast only got one season. So it looks as though there's a gap now in the Spotify programme. You mean they've got the budget to take on another podcast? I don't think we could do the same genre. We're not fitting in the same gap exactly, are we? No, maybe not. But, you know, I think there's clearly budget. So Bill Simmons, if you're out there listening, if you're listening, happen to pick up on this. You know where we are. It's wellmeadow.co.uk. Yeah. And you can Google for the SME Growth SME Podcast. Growth podcast. Um, we're very reasonable. We're not, <laughs> you know... We, we don't have many demands. Just I'm sure I'm sure he's listening to us right now, and he'll, he'll be on the phone this afternoon. Bowl full of brown M and M's. <laughs> no, they were non-brown ones. Oh, non-brown. Got to take the brown ones. Take out. the brown ones in. <laughs> I think before this gets too silly, we need to start a podcast. <laughs> Welcome again to the SME Growth Podcast from Wellmeadow. Every week we try and come up with another subject of interest to small and medium-sized enterprises that are looking to grow, especially around the marketing and sales and some of the disciplines around what the board can do to drive growth forward. So this week we thought we'd pick up a task that's um, picked. We've got a couple of examples of this running live at the moment. We've done some recently. And that's switching from your tried and tested uh, CRM system that you've had for a while to a new one. And we're doing that, as we've said before, we're quite open about it. We are big fans of HubSpot and we tend to know our way around it quite well. So we're helping a number of companies move from a variety of other packages, both famous and ones you've never heard of, to bring them across to HubSpot as a platform. So we thought we'd talk about that. And I've got Rich with me here today that's helping out some of those projects. Yes, I'm indeed. Glad to be here. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm going to throw the opener over to you then, just for those audience members that are maybe playing catch up a little bit. Just before we start talking about switching CRMs, just a quick primer on what people what use their CRM, CRM for. So what is a CRM? So it's a customer relationship management database. It's a bit of a clunky name, actually, when you actually... Didn't we have a podcast all about this and suggest a different name for it anyway? Because we yeah, thought it wasn't really. Society hasn't adopted that yet, but there's still time. There's still They're time. Playing catch up. So yeah, so it's it's more it's a way of I suppose bringing all of your information about your predominantly I suppose customers, but prospects, suppliers, your entire business ecosystem, your community, yeah. community mm. into one place. And I think 
you know, I'm trying to remember back in the day, you had like Act, was it Act 365? Yeah, and well, and yeah. that's like kind of Sage, that was Sage, Sage Act, which Sage yeah. Act, where it was just really gold mine, gold mine, yeah, gold mine, yeah, yeah. That Microsoft one. And that was like just a kind of repository of customer information, um, contact details, almost like a, a roller decks, I'm sure many of our. Oh, I don't you. remember those, but you I have seen, seen one, them. I've seen one in the museum. In somewhere. museum yeah. um, but but over the years, um, and now particularly, that they've evolved so much to be to do so much more. So often at the heart of the system will still remain that address book, contact information. But around it now, like we see with HubSpot, you've got different suites of tools that allow you to do different things with yeah. that information. I think as well, I, I still am amazed when I talk to people who don't have CRMs, who think of it as just the digital version of the Rolodex that you mentioned earlier on. And it's it's so much more than that. And, and the first thing I always say to people is this is probably one of your most valuable company assets. Mm. That data you have on all the people you transact with and what they've done with you and what you've said and what their preferences are, that is so valuable to your firm. So if, if ever you came to sell your business or have it valued yeah. and all of that information just sits in the heads of your salespeople or on their mobile phones or in their Outlook, you've, you've lost it. That you, You'd failed due diligence on that. You've got to get it centralized. Yeah, so I was going to make that point on due diligence, but also I think even before you get to that point, just the benefits of having your data organized so that you know, if you need to find a contact or if you need to, you know, just see what's going on in the organization, being able to have a central system that everybody's feeding into, you haven't got a load of contacts put in, you know, Jim's outbox and Steve's, you know, phone or whatever, it's all kind of in one place can have a huge impact in just improving organizational efficiency. Yeah, well, that comes back to the single source of the truth thing, isn't it? Have we got different misspellings of people's names? Have we got the addresses correct for companies? Have we distinguished between the invoice address and the deliver to address or different branch offices and so on? Just having everything in one place that you know that's right because everybody's using it. And if you haven't got a CRM or, or some form of central database, you're missing out on all those benefits. Well, I think. I think back to the due diligence point, it is, it is something that can add significant value to a business, particularly, you know, I think, and I think this is something that probably business owners should really think about because often it can be seen as kind of, this is a lot of work or it's, it's an expensive tool sometimes. Like, you know, there's, you can do CRM quite cheaply, but you can also, if you want all the bells and whistles and to really start automating processes, it, it can get a bit more costly, but it's, you know, what's, what's the value of it longer term, having mm. everything. And because I think it forces, companies to adapt how they work as well, um, then you're actually building that value in for the longer term. So we've seen it before where companies have gone, you know, for sale, the due diligence happens and they want to see what's your pipeline? What, who are your contacts? What industries are they in? What, you know, all this kind of data, people want to know that who are going to come in and potentially buy a business. So starting with the end in mind, so to speak, and, and thinking about that early on, making sure that's really baked into your business is very valuable. Yeah, I think you're right. Having a system behind it all, which forces people to think about their business processes, you then start to think more systematically about everything then, don't yeah. you? <clears throat> that copies across. In fact, we were helping a firm do due, do due <laughs> diligence, easy of you to say, uh, as the potential buyer of a business that we'd come across. And that was one of the things that you came up with. That mm. it was, there was a couple of spreadsheets here and there, they're out of date, it was, it was a mess. You, know, yeah. you make a big difference. Yeah. And that's not even to touch on all of the other powerful attributes that a CRM can bring, especially around automation. 
you know, even just a simple basic central database is worth having. Mm. Even if you, you know, you talked about the pricing, you can get a free one, right? HubSpot yeah. do a pretty good free CRM that's yeah. just a database, hasn't got any of the bells and whistles on it. But similarly, you can spend 50, 100 grand a year if you're going up to, you know, full beans packages. Well, I think it gives you that option as well as the saying, what, how do you control your data? So, you know, you see, you see companies who have their entire CRM in a spreadsheet or something. Well, anyone can go in and delete all of those records or change things or even within, you know, it's, it's how do you control the information? How do you make sure that who's got access to what? Make sure everyone's got access that they need, but actually in a controlled way rather than kind of just letting everyone have a free-for-all and have a spreadsheet or have a, you know, kind of no permissions around things. It's controlling the data in order to use it well to to help push the efficiency of the business and ultimately yeah. the value and i don't know many people have implemented a crm system and then wish they hadn't in fact usually the opposite how do we live yeah. without it yeah. so i think we've done a good enough pitch there for the whole genre all the billions of dollars spent every year on crm systems all over but this podcast is aimed more at people who've already got one so they've probably already been on that journey and they mm. kind of know why they went into it in the first place but as is very typical people try to choose something reasonably low cost to start with especially if they're not really sure whether they're going to get the benefits from it or not and there's lots of budget end versions mm. crms even some more complicated ones that aren't implemented properly perhaps so you you do come across this point where people start hearing about what crms are doing elsewhere or what they could be doing yeah. or maybe you have a new member of the marketing or the sales team join or a new chief exec and they say, why isn't the system doing this? That's what I had where I've just come from. And everybody suddenly has this sort of wake up moment of, yeah. oh, we we picked the cheap one, didn't we? Um, maybe we should either use it better yeah. or change horses. Well, I think we all become creatures of habit as well, don't we? So you get used to using a system and you're so busy doing a day job. Like not many people have a probably have the time to think about, well, let's do a full scan of the environment as to what's new in the market. What's And I think a lot of maybe the more legacy CRMs tend to be just that they 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 don't really evolve there's other business systems around it whereas some of the more you know modern crm shall we say are much more maybe focused on user interface modern web design maybe mm. interact a little bit more like a website rather than a yeah. database you almost get penalized if you were one of the early adopters you may well have backed the wrong horse. You wouldn't have known 10 years ago if you started using a CRM system which one was going to come out as mm. the leader in, in that pack. So you could well be stuck with one, which you've got used to, like you say, maybe a clunky user interface, but everybody's at least used to it. And the idea of changing now is quite frightening, brings you out in a cold sweat. Yeah. Imagine if you were changing your ERP system, the whole accounts and production planning. It'd be a, it'd be a major undertaking that you'd yeah. probably put a year aside for it. You have a big team, big budget, you know. And I think our experience is that changing CRM is nothing like that. It's probably, it's a bit like changing your bank account. You've got to go through lots of different steps and you've got to make sure it's right and take everybody along with you. But it's not like changing the entire fabric of the company like the mm. ERP system would be. But that's not to say that it can't get a bit complicated in places and you need to, to watch for it. So I wanted to just go through, what are some of the key features then of the more advanced CRM systems, and we're familiar with Salesforce and HubSpot from being up close to them, but we've seen others, whether it be Zoho, Pipedrive, uh, Microsoft Dynamics 365, you know, we've seen some of these other common ones and some other smaller mm. smaller ones as well. What is it that you get with the big ones that you don't necessarily get so much with the with the cheaper ones? Well, I think, it's, I think really it probably comes down to things like automation. Mm. Because I think when you get, when you're getting a CRM that's starting to drive automation, and I don't mean 
simple automation like an email follow-up from a form field a mm. lot of crms will do that yeah. kind of thanks for filling the form in we'll be yeah. in touch type of thing more kind of business critical operations complex workflows um if then logic within the workflow um that type of thing because i think what you're starting to do then is actually replace what a person could do yeah saving them time especially for some of the more mundane tasks that you'd be going through i think we've probably touched on it before in terms of our internal recruitment process a lot of that is we've automated quite a bit around that and i think that probably saves you know hours and hours and hours of time i think something else that the more advanced ones do better is the tracking of all activities Mm. the emails you send to and fro some are better at that than others even tracking phone calls recording phone calls then transcribing phone calls that's great for sales coaching you know if as a sales director you can listen in on some of the successful calls or some of your new starts and give them some coaching that that's brilliant to be able to do that all the meetings we talked before in our ai episode that if you integrate some of these transcription tools they produce an ai summary of the meeting mm. and automatically add it into your crm record yeah. against the the contact the company and, and potentially the deal it's it's so seamless that's happening in the background there's tools as well that we're using that show the geographic spread of the customers so if you're out on the road you can put a loop around an area and make sure you visit yeah. all of them or if you're doing local marketing you could do the same geographic based come up with the org structures to work out who are the key players are who are the decision makers who are the blockers really get an insight into your data, which if you just had a straightforward database, which was a list of names and email addresses that you're never going to get. Well, I think that's, that's an interesting point, isn't it? So a lot of those things you've talked, touched on there, the, you know, the, the plugins or the, you know, the integrations, as it were, with um, like the, the geo-mapping of customers or prospects, the, the organization chart is another one where you can actually see in a company Mm. Great for like account-based marketing or account-based selling, where you're kind of trying to work out who's who in the organization. So one of the, I guess one of the points there is, say, a more evolved and more developed CRM will allow more integrations into it, um, which in turn allows you to kind of customize things around your business process. So more mature products will allow you know more integrations. And the, and to be fair, the bigger the platform, the more likely the developers would have bothered to try and come up yeah. with applications that fit into it so salesforce have got force.com which is their back end where loads of applications are on it hubspot have got the same with their app marketplace yeah. you see the same even with zero accounting software you know there's a whole ecosystem growing right. up where people are bothered to write software that works for it yeah if you get a, a smaller maybe slightly less heard of package you're not going to get that as much yeah so so i think that's that's yeah something to look for isn't it i think those those integrations how things work yeah the other um, one you mentioned earlier actually is the user interface yeah and we've come across a few and you know i'm not going to knock any one particular other crm out there but each of them have got their quirks and you do need to get your head around them a little mm. bit something that struck us i think with what we use uh, without banging on about it is that it is a very accessible user interface and training is a key part of both adopting a new CRM or switching from an old one. Yeah. And the, the easier you can make that because you don't have to explain to people that it's these three clicks followed by that click and change a tab and do that. If it's just obvious and that's where simplicity is difficult. Mm. When, it, when it looks easy on the screen, that has taken hundreds of hours of testing and, and yeah. thinking about it to get it just like that. We take it as red because we're all used to using very high-end mobile phones these days, whether Apple's or Samsung. Well, it's an interesting point there, isn't it, on the mobile does it have you know what what does your crm look like on the mobile mm. and that's something we came across recently with a client where they wanted something that was very accessible for salespeople on the road so yeah. if you're looking for salespeople to update a record after a customer visit or something it's got to be quick it's got to be fast you know, do yeah. it in the car 
Um, so does the CRM support um, something good on the phone or on an iPad or? Well, even making the call through the CRM on your phone, yeah. you can do it on the browser as well, records the call, transcribes yeah. the call all through your phone, rather than making the direct call just using your telephony that the phone gives you, taps through the app and yeah. does all that for you. So, so at this high end, and we've just probably scratched the surface there, but some of the features you get these days on the high end CRMs have left the others way, way behind in their wake. And what I've noticed as well is that there was a place in the market for some of these lower end, lower feature systems, as long as they were cheaper, mm. because it, it can get a bit expensive for sure. Yeah. But then you've got to make, make that ROI calculation. Yeah. It's got to be worth it, right? And if if you're selling you know millions a year, then the idea of spending a few tens of thousands on on the system that makes it work mm. probably isn't such a bad idea. But if you're trying to get it in for 500 quid for your team of 10 salespeople, then maybe you start questioning, am I really going to get the best that's out yeah. there? And you end up suffering with some of these added functionalities that just don't aren't really quite there. I think it's almost becoming more kind of more natural, isn't it? I think that's that's where a CIA uh, CIA <laughs> indoctrinated here the, C, <laughs> the CRM starts to work when it's almost a natural extension of the the whoever's work. So for marketing, it's a natural extension of what you're doing for sales. It's a natural extension. You come out. It's almost like have a phone call back to the manager, this is what we did, but the CRM's capturing all of that information, it's tracking everything, it's giving you, you know, reporting is something we haven't really touched on here either, but mm. good reporting out of your CRM True. drives insights, drives activity, drives all sorts of things. So yeah. when it becomes that natural extension that people want to use because it's easy to use, it's giving them value, then it becomes a really great tool for any business. Okay, so let's go forward to the point then where we feel that someone's made the decision. They, they're going to switch over. They've done maybe a bit of a beauty parade. They've chosen their, their target system they're going to move to. Mm -hmm. I have to say, it's a bit harder to come up with a return on investment calculation if it's sales-led. It's not so much harder, it's different. If you're going to do a marketing-led ROI, then we've got a great calculator on our webpage, willmoto.co.uk slash ROI. Just type in how many visits do you get to your website? What's the conversion rate from visitors to those that form fill? How yeah. many of those engage? How many of those come up with opportunity? And, and what's your win rate? It's it's easier if you like to come up with a very hard and fast number. I'm going to get more leads. They're mm. worth this amount of money. But if you're going to for a sales-led process and try and come up with the ROI on that, you you run the risk of going down the road of reducing the effort, trying to say how it saves cost. Mm. And that's not really where you get the gain. You, you are definitely going to save salespeople's time because there's going to be automation in it and you're going to stop mistakes being made and all of that. I get that. But the real benefit is the extra sales you make from it, mm. the extra conversions. How many of those quotes have we left just a bit too long before chasing them up? How many of those lapsed customers from three, six months ago that hadn't touched the since do we get automatically notified now that we didn't before? You know, how many just better quality bits of output do we get to produce yeah. that didn't exist before. <clears throat> and it's harder to put your number on that. So it, it does need someone to be a very strong advocate internally. You're going to need a champion that just knows that this is the right thing to do because they've seen it done better elsewhere and they know that lots of the benefits are going to be intangible. You can have a crack at putting the numbers on the ones that are tangible, but there's such an intangible benefit of getting a sales team that love their CRM compared to those many sales teams out there that hate their CRMs because mm. they're just being told to fill them in all the time. So you've got to get to that point, haven't you, where you're sure you're going to change and you know that it's it's just it's something you're going to believe in and get there and do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, if you can make, you know, I was having a conversation with someone last week talking about, you know, they, they'd had a lot of inquiries from social media come through into their business, their product, and that had absolutely swamped the sales team. 
because how do you know which ones are genuine, which ones aren't? So by using a good, you know, CRM, by having a kind of some, some applying some thinking and automation around sales process, trying to navigate people so that they still, the customer still has a great experience with the company, but at the same time, it's funneling them in different directions and using the CRM and the, the technology behind that to automate a lot of that. You can actually give the customer a great experience at the same time as as help your sales team prioritize which are the right things to work on at this time. Yeah, we've only got a certain number of hours in the day and it's it's hard in that sort of morass of data to yeah. know what the best thing is to do. Okay, so you've decided that you want to change, you've picked which one you're going for, you've made the case for the ROI, including the intangibles. And we're making it all sound rosy as if everything's downhill and it's going to be better in this new world. But it's it clearly comes with downsides as well. Any switch is yeah. going to come with downsides. So let's just talk a little bit about the main risks of making a change. And we were having a bit of a chat about this beforehand, weren't mm. we? And it's difficult to know quite what ranking to put on these things. They all need to be considered. But I came up with that thought of data migration straight away, whether it's the most important or not. But we've we've had experience on that recently. Well, it's one of those, isn't it, that people... Data, data migration involves probably data cleansing, which is mm. can be incredibly painful, um, depending on what the state of your CRM is. Now, I think a lot of companies, and probably, you know, we're all guilty of it, it it's one of those things that can get left behind, um, looking at what, you know, keeping your data clean, all that type of thing. So when you come to them migrate, it's like, right, okay, what are we, are we going to just move a load of incomplete records or you know, in uh, inactive contacts, all of that kind of thing comes to the fore. So you've got to start thinking about, okay, well, what, what data do we actually need? And then we've got to go through the process of trying to map that into a new CRM. You might have to come up with new properties, new fields, all that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So there's an awful lot to think about. It's not really export a CSV file or an Excel file and just whack and it in new one. To the new one, you which know. is actually what a lot of people think it's going to be. And yeah. that's where we have to educate that from experience. It never is. You're right. There's a re-architecturing, a redesigning mm. of the data structure. So which yeah. new fields do we want and dependencies and that sort of thing, which fields have to be required. And sometimes the formatting comes out in a bizarre yeah. way, if, especially with dates, you know, American formats and stuff. So there's a lot of that, but the data cleansing bit is where I think people are surprised at how poor, their data is mm. how many incomplete records misspellings duplications all sorts of things that yeah. you end up having to fix and of course whenever you try and do an export and then a cleanse and an import it's the appropriate time to think should we do this or why don't we use this opportunity to combine those things or add a new industry segment characteristic yeah. or any areas that have been free text in the past let's force those into a drop down so we can get some commonality as soon as you say that which is a very good thing to do it's not something to be frightened of but it takes time then to do that you've got to do lots of you know lookups oh, and data smoothing pandora's box with that completely can't you because yeah. you all of a sudden everybody starts lobbing in their requests oh wouldn't it be great if we could have this yeah. and what about if we can have this so having that you know so one of the i suppose one of the associated risks to this is is how do you control that process of saying okay we want to migrate this data from crm x into y right but what what are we moving across architect it right but also right how do we then 
control and 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 manage that process of everybody just saying, "Oh, what I want is this, and I mm. want is this, and I want is this." So having a process around that can be quite helpful. Yeah, and I think the the key we found there with different clients doing this process is to come up first with a minimum viable product. Mm. If you try to recreate exactly what you've got already, that may have taken you years of customization and getting used to. It may take you years of customization and getting used to before yeah. you can launch anything new. So work out what gives us the benefits we're looking for with a clean system that we can then start building on. Yeah. And every time someone wants to change we challenge that and work out is that the right thing to do so you're right having a plan but also don't aim for the stars with on launch day get something that people can start using yeah. and they see new features new bits being added to all the yeah. time so that was about data and i think it, it is seriously one of the bigger areas to consider and one, one thing that's maybe sad about data is we, we're starting to try and quantify the cleanliness of the data if that mm. you know so there's different ways you can do it we've come up with a way of trying to look at it um but just a way of being able to, you know, however you choose to do it, it's about being able to then just track it and say, right, okay, we've got a data integrity score of, say, 56%. So that would mean that, you know, 44% of our records are incomplete or we're missing properties or fields. Or so duplicated or, duplicated or whatever, whatever it is. So then over time, you want to say, okay, six months, we're going to try and make sure we put processes in, automate different things. Right now, in six months' time, it's 80% or whatever. Just because... The better records you've got, as long as you're collecting the right information, that's going to help you drive sales, drive marketing. Yeah. And there's a probably a bear trap there to watch for as well. If you try and get it all right before you do the import back into the new system so you can start using it, you're going to have a lot longer transition period. Mm. And sometimes there is an argument for importing the data as it was, as long as it still works. And then you can do a certain amount of cleansing on the fly. And we've certainly found that with some of the workflows we've set up, some of that automation we mentioned earlier yeah. can be as much directed to housekeeping and data health yeah. as it can on other other workflows. So even coming up with reports to point out that you created a contact yesterday and you haven't put all the required fields in because you did it in a funny way or, mm. or this new person has entered a form, but now we need information that we didn't ask for. So yeah. you've got to go and add it. You know, do you own this person or whatever it may be? So there's, there's a watchword there. Keep an eye on the data cleanliness do what you can when you're exporting cleaning and importing but accept the fact that you might bring stuff in that needs yeah. cleaning later on so that's one the other one that i've been cautious about is what type of data you can even export in the first place mm. so i think most crms have some core data databases if you like data tables within them so you're definitely going to have one for all the contacts one for all the companies one for all the deals or opportunities depending on what they're called you might have some for the quotes that have been issued and for the products but they don't often have separate databases for things like the emails, the calls, and the meetings that have been attached to yeah. any one of those things or how many times one of those values have been changed. So if you can't export it, then you certainly can't import it. Mm. Now, one of the, I suppose, quirks which is in our favor is that the lower-end systems don't tend to have as many of those other bits of data attached anyway. Yeah. But where they do, you've got to properly address the consequences of moving over to a new system where you might lose some history. You might grab a very accurate snapshot of what it is today, but your old system may have been able to allow you to look up what was it before, yeah. and you may lose that. Or who emailed this person two years ago? You know, you might lose all that as well. So you need to be aware and maybe think about, are we going to do a, a parallel running period here mm. where so we get used to the new one, or are we going to do a, a big bang switch yeah. over? That's how we go live. Yeah, I think that's just that's just a decision that every business would have to make for itself, isn't it? Like say it's mm. you could just start tracking all that activity in the new system or cr bring all the new deals across and 
you know, use notes or something. You know, it's, it's one of those, it's not insurmountable, but yeah, it's sometimes very useful to have all that history yep. if you're gonna use it. I think another one to think about is culture change, isn't it? That's, mm. that's a big- That's a big, isn't it? People get used to working in a certain way and then all of a sudden, right, here's a new system you've got to learn. Do people want to learn new things? Mm. So you've got to be able to s sort of spin the yarn a little bit in terms of Well, that's back to the we champion. You've got to have that champion driving it through. Because it's funny, it's just a human nature thing. If there's one thing that goes wrong, it'll be more important in your mind than the 10 things that are better. We, we just It's a human thing. It's not, you know, you just happen to focus on the pain rather than mm. the, the, the gain. So we've got to get people through that keep reinforcing the fact that overall this is better and yes we will be able to fix that thing that the button isn't in the same place as it was before or you don't have that function anymore but look yeah. you've got all these other things as well so there's a big culture journey here which which really only has one solution and that's leadership yeah well it's um is it philip cotter his model of change eight step model of change mm -hmm. quite useful for that i think that almost starts with you know kind of create a crisis mm. or you know but there'll, there'll be a reason maybe it's not a crisis but there'll be a reason why you're thinking about changing the CRM anyway, right? Doesn't yeah. just, you know, just wake up one morning and think, let's just embark on a Yeah, it's got to be a change. rallying cry. We're doing it for a, for something that everybody agrees is worth doing and worth going through the pain. And it's a quote I often repeat, which is that the pain of change has to be lower than the pain of staying the same. Mm. So if we're not upset enough with the way it is, no amount of easy transition <clears> is going to be worth it. You, you're going you're gonna to get annoyed. So there has to be something that you want to move away from as well as something you want to move towards. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> well, it may not be broke, but there's a better one over there and I'm prepared to, to go in for it. Uh, the time evolved as well. That's probably something we need to just be uh, be wary of. This isn't something you just give to IT and it's flicked a switch and next Monday we've got the new one. Yeah. Lots of people need to be involved. People need to be involved. There's time to train people. There's time to, like I say, just make that cultural adjustment into the way that people are working. There's the time of just going through all the data. There's, you know, a reasonable number of meetings around kind of, okay, deciding on the philosophy of the approach, the mm. what data needs to come across, which, you know, who's going to be responsible for different areas of it, all those kind of things to be thinking yeah. about. And that's, everyone's got a day job. So it's something to think about in terms yeah. of. So in terms of lessons learned and how to do it well, there's no one size fits all here, but we've certainly found a few approaches have been common across the various yeah. projects that we've taken on. I think you said it earlier on, you've got to make sure that you've got an internal champion with a very well-established reason for changing. Yeah. We need we need a, a rallying cry to drive people through this thing. And you mentioned earlier as well, one of our key catchphrases here is always start with the end in mind know what you're trying to get to because yeah. the amount of times people say oh can we just add this feature left right and center to the sides if that's not getting you to at least that minimum viable product and then some of the benefits you run the risk of diluting yeah. effort in the wrong direction i think yeah it's, it's that you're going to be probably looking at a five-year at least relationship with this particular crm so it's, it's that kind of yeah you really do want to think about starting with the end in mind you know, is this something that we can live with is this is a kind of it's almost it's not quite vision in the sense of big picture vision but it's this is a, a key part of maybe your vivid description part of your vision i would agree yeah uh, and to say well we want yeah. our our processes and businesses to run this way and the crm is going to enable it, the technology the automation is going to enable it so it is something that is kind of it, it's got to have that kind of visionary element to it i think and i think there's two common topics to come out of that in the vivid descriptions and one is scalability 
can we scale this business? Could we imagine a situation where we've got 10 times as many salespeople running it the way we do now? Or yeah. 10 times the amount of marketing activity running it the way we're now? And that often comes up with a very quick answer of no, there's no way it would yeah. cope with that. So that's one of the key drivers while you might do it. And the other one is the valuation due diligence point you made earlier. Mm. With it the way it is now, are we robust enough? Could could we withstand someone from the outside coming in and yeah. having a look at what we've got? Does this look professional? Are we able yeah. to withstand a key person leaving? And often that one comes up with an awkward answer of no, probably not. You know? Yeah. That's fair enough. I think another thing is having a multifunctional team. You've got to get, again, this, you know, the modern CRM is going to span departments, span business units from, you know, accounts, sales, yeah. marketing, yeah. operations, IT. So you and, the, and the benefit these days as well with lots of meetings being on Teams or Zoom is that you can invite a wider community just to listen in. They could be at their desk doing other stuff, listening into the commentary in the background, just to be aware of what's going on. Even in those early stages, there's something we've seen a benefit. Even if you're still at the basic, basic setup stages of setting your currency and your time zone and you know putting your email address in, people are starting to get a feel for the system and they can see how easy it is to use and how many other buttons are they. They're starting to break down that fear of something that looks different. They're, they're familiar with where the settings page is and where you go to see your deals, where you go to see your contacts. And you, you drip feed that familiarity early on by having a broader cross-functional team involved. And I guess just the point on that as well is that by doing it on Zoom or Teams, um, recording those meetings using you know, Fathom as the kind of, you know, we've talked about, probably mentioned it before, AI meeting summary means that people who can't actually attend in person or even online, have got that meeting summary, look at what was discussed, and it's all just kind of happening. Yeah, and I don't want to be too much of an, an advert just for Fathom here, but we can um, point to our experiences of that, where the AI summary that goes out by email afterwards comes up with a very short paragraph for each of the key timestamps. So if you're mm. reading that through, you've been forwarded it, you can see, oh yeah, that, that's where they started talking such that. And there's a play button right next to it. So if you want yeah. to just listen to that bit rather than the whole recording, you can jump straight in and process it. So very powerful, powerful tech. And I think even starting to use that kind of technology just in that those kind of meetings and things is is part of the culture change of CRM, isn't it? It's, it's that. Yeah. Let's just try and be as efficient as we can with things. Um, I guess we've touched on starting with the end in mind. That, yeah. That's that's pretty critical for all of this and i think that ties into the minimum viable product part as well the the end end is everything working but there's an intermediate end if that's if that's not an oxymoron which a milestone anyway we say if we're going to get something to work for then do we really need that thing you just asked for because we could now spend a few hours trying to develop that or we could just park that because our first goal is to get something up and running so starting with both the end and the milestones in mind keep people focused and don't let them ask for new things they never used to have before when we haven't even got the basics working mm. yet. You know, that, that can come later when we do the continuous improvement. Well, I think, yeah, start with the end in mind. It's probably more the end in mind is, is, is have an awesome CRM that's doing all the stuff we want it to do. It's not kind of where well, we have all these properties mapped out and all those sorts of things. It's, so there's, there is that kind of, the end is almost a continuous evolution of this so that it gets better and better and better. Have you got the technology that allows you to do that or are you constrained by it? So I guess that's another reason to... Yeah, and, we, and you get internal champions of this that really get into it and under the skin. And Jamie, you know who you are when I'm referring to you in this because you, you're up there with us pushing the boundaries of, of this software as fast as anybody can. And it's it's just brilliant to see how yet more new things are being worked out that aid the sales team, aid the marketing team, improve the reporting to the board. And you, you realise it can do even more than out of the box you think it can do. But you've really got to get the basics done first and then work on some of the extras after. 
Shall I put a shameless plug in here as well to say that it can be useful to use like an agency partner, not necessarily. Do you know any good ones? <laughs> well, I don't know, but um, but it but who have seen a lot of other implementations, who have yeah. seen what other best practices are out there, mm. um, so that you're just getting a broader. You know, even if you find someone, just have a chat to and say, okay, what other workflows are people using? What have they set up their sales process? Those sorts of things. Yeah, simple little things like where salespeople tend to leapfrog stages in a pipeline. You know, that that can become a problem if you're trying to do a certain type of reporting. We've seen it before. We know how to fix it. Yeah, we'll just go and you know mm. post hoc add in the missing data that's required. We can fix that sort of thing. All the data cleanliness type stuff, or how to get report on forecast revenue. You know, we've, we've been around the block enough that we know those things. So, yeah, shameless plug that it may be, but kind of that's what we're here for. Yeah. All right, good. I think whilst we could go on loads more about that because there's lots of facets of changing CRMs, hopefully we've given people a bit of a flavor of some of the ups and downs of doing it and maybe just got people to think twice about whether their current system is giving them all they, they could be getting. So I guess that's CRM later. See you later. That was, that was terrible. We that was edit, terrible. Edit that out. No, we're uh, not editing that. That's, that's going to live. That's You're going to be shamed by that forever. That sounded that a lot better terrible. in my head than when it actually Didn't materialized. Work, yeah. <laughs> work on that next week. He's here all week. Folks. I'm here all week. Don't give up the day job. <laughs> Thank you once again. You've been listening to the SME Growth Podcast from Wellmeadow, who are a HubSpot partner here in the West Midlands of the UK. As I say every week, please, wherever you get your podcast from, do a follow, click the button and the little bell next to it so you know when we're coming out. But more importantly, really, just tell your friends in business, tell your colleagues, tell anybody else that you think might benefit from some of the material that we're covering. And if you've got ideas for other subjects you'd like us to uh, cover in future episodes or some feedback on some of the stuff we've already done, then please send it through to us and uh, we'll respond. In the meantime, good luck with your business.